Hey, TABC family, welcome back to the podcast. We're glad to have you with us as we seek to go deeper into Sunday's teaching and ask the questions that will help us live out God's word in our daily lives. That's why we do this podcast, to equip the followers of Jesus here at 12th to grow in obedience and affection for him every day. Our hope is that at 12th, we would be a biblical community of kingdom people who are joining God in the restoration of all things, one person, one place at a time. And our desire is that our time together today equips you to do just that. Thanks for being with us. Let's jump in. Hey, everybody. It is Garen and Jordan here to dissect Nehemiah with you guys again. Are we gonna die? Like we're going to examine him like he examined the wall? Yeah. Like medically probe into Nehemiah, like just like you're you too keyed up for Nehemiah 2 right now. We got to take a step back. <laughs> yeah, we are in the second half of Nehemiah 2. And uh, man, so many good things. We are going to do our best to keep this. We can, you know, Garen, sometimes we can get a little bunny trailish. So we're going to try and really try lock to keep in, it on. Keep it on. Yeah. Like no K State references. None. No. Which is hard. Just, okay. No Missouri. No, nothing. Which is no hard. Mizzou, just, okay. Because K State right. lost to Missouri. And KU's 3-0, and o, so we could so easily talk about that. <laughs> yeah, we that. could go that way, but we won't. But we won't. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> and we didn't even plan that. No, we that didn't. That just happened. Let's see, that's an example. I think that okay. was a motion of the spirit right yeah. there. Okay, we really do want to get into this because there's so many good things in these 11 verses, and uh, we want to we want to flesh it out a little bit. So Nehemiah 2, 11 through 20. Garen, your whole point of this wrap-up or the sermon and what we want to talk about on this wrap up is that Nehemiah was wise and he was strategic. Yep. That he didn't just go back to Jerusalem and say, well, guess I'll get to work. I mean, there, it was methodical. I felt like everything he does is thought through very deeply and has a lot of wisdom to it. And to me, I think, I think it's easy to see that when you're reading, but to really understand why or to, to sit on that for a minute and say, okay, what's going through Nehemiah's mind right here? That takes a little bit of, of thought. So yeah. I'm glad that, that you kind of you kind of took us there. Also gave us a little backstory on the wall, right? It was it was sitting in ruins for 150 years before Nehemiah got there. Uh, the circuit around the, the wall was about a mile. And then this was interesting because I had always kind of wondered, but I didn't know. And I'm not even sure how you know. I wonder what your sources are. That the wall was three to four feet thick. Uh, at the top. At the top and five to six feet thick at the bottom. And then it was 12 to 15 feet high. Yeah. That's a heck of a wall. That is. Man, you think about the technology they had back then, there's nothing getting through that. Yeah. I mean. Yeah, that was. That's pretty crazy. So when we think about, oh, Nehemiah's going to build the wall, it's not like he's stacking a few rocks. No, it's not like stacking stones in the Flint Hills. Nothing against the Flint Hills walls, rock walls. It's it's a much larger project yeah. than that. Wow. Okay. Hey, I got I to gotta hit you with a few quick critiques, Karen. Okay. You critiqued yourself on one. You said and it was so appropriate. Do you know what I'm going to say? No. <laughs> Uh-oh. When you said that going through this series with you is like you slamming on the brakes. Oh, right. Yes. It, it is. It's like we're in the car with somebody learning to drive and they just keep tapping the brakes on. <laughs> I feel that so much because we'll be talking about a verse and then you'll back on and say, okay, hold on one sec. Yeah. And I'm just like, man, Karen, I'm really getting into the the flow of the verse here. And then, yeah, it's, but everything, it's the way he writes. Like I, I traveled, I was there three days. Uh-huh. I was, but you can't just, you just, you got to kind of talk about why. Yeah. yeah and, so it's, and I'm glad you pull us out and yeah. you, but it is, you that's what I'm like. I'm but like, it is it's so like, like, yeah, 
I've so become used to sitting there in my seat and just hearing, okay, hold on, let's talk about this. And I'm like, all right, we're, this is not a smooth Sunday drive. This is a bumpy, yes, bumpy ride, but it's, yep. it's a good one. And the other thing is, Karen, we got to get some, some bigger font on these diagrams you're showing us. I've got young eyes. Yeah, I, I know. I'm straining in, in the middle rows. I feel bad for the old folks in the back rows. Yeah, so, like that wall one. That's why I knew nobody was going to read <laughs> you, all those. You even put it up. You're like, I'm going to put this up. There's no chance you're going to yeah. read this, but. Yeah, so the point wasn't the gates. It was just to see the shape of the city. And There was something else yesterday though with like some fun. And I was straining. I was like, Kate, do you know what that says? So um, I'm, I'm speaking on behalf of the people here. Yeah, that it might've been the other map, but that there were only really four things on that. I. So you're telling me that if it's important, on. you'll make sure it's the font's big, big enough. Yeah. But if it's small and I can't read it, then it's not that important. Yeah. If somebody's like, what are all those cities in Judah up there? Okay. Okay, good. I thought I was missing out on something there. So, okay. That was really my, uh, my only complaint there. Let's see. You said that some, something really interesting happens. Nehemiah comes back. Like we said, he's methodical. He's wise. He has a plan. He pauses three days before he even begins to talk to the workers. Or before he even begins the survey. Before he even begins to, to survey. Yeah. He pauses for three days and yeah. does, does his note to us give any reason why or what's nope. going on? It's just a lot of people kind of figuring out what's going on. And, and so what's the guarantee? Yeah. I mean, I think, cause you know, I'm, I'm thinking about it. I'm reading a lot of people and a lot of people, the thing that one thing that kept coming up is that a lot of people rush into things and don't stop and take the time to think it through. Hmm. And that's why I mentioned very briefly, young leaders tend to do that. I've been one. You're like, let's, I, let's do this and then let's get her done. And you do it and you leave people behind. And he could not, if he left the people of the city behind, nothing's getting done. Hmm. That's kind of why I gave the size, how huge the task was. He had to have total buy-in by everybody, which yeah. we'll see next week. So that taking that, that period to wait was really significant. One thing I didn't actually get to say that I thought was kind of cool is in verse 12, when he's talking about, he's just still writing about himself, but he says what God had put on my heart to do for Jerusalem. And I didn't say this, but the part of the reason, sometimes I think with young leaders, with any leader, but we're so tied to, it's like our vision, it's our thing we're doing. The part of the reason we rush is because it's really more about us than it is about the thing. And that for him, this was God had put this on his heart. So this was about God and it was for Jerusalem, he said. And I think he had a really clear picture. This wasn't about him. It wasn't about his prestige. It wasn't about his ego. It was for God and for the city. And that, and if, if as a leader, if that's your thing, you're willing to slow down because you don't want to leave people behind. And mm -hmm. it's not about you. And it's so easy, you know, in leadership, anything. It's so easy for the thing to become about you, right? Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that's one thing. That's what just a lot of people feel like is that he... He wanted to process. He wanted to think. He wanted. He didn't want to rush in, because good leaders. I just kept reading that. Don't rush into things. They take their time. You want to bring people along. You think it through. Yeah. So, I've said this before, and I'm going to say it again, and I'm sure I'll say it on future pod pods as well. That I just really wish that I knew Nehemiah. Man, he is such a cool guy. There's another part later in here. I won't spoil it. We'll talk about it. But where I in the message, I was thinking, man, I wish I knew him. I wish I got to like, I wish he was my leader. I wish I got to serve under him. And then this is just another one of those. Yeah. Even in this, what wisdom to sit there and you know that it wasn't about him. Yeah. And it's so easy to follow a leader when they're not about themselves, when they're trying to lead you to something bigger. Right. And I just really get the sense 
Yeah. That's who Nehemiah was. Yeah. Pretty cool. Can you take us a little bit through, we're kind of up to verses 12 through 15 here where he does start to talk about the survey of the city wall that he does. And why is he so secretive about it? He's going at night. He's taking one mounted animal. He's not taking a bunch. He's um, not saying anything to anyone about what he's doing. I mean, why is he so covert right here? Yeah. Again, I think he doesn't want to show his hand too fast. That if, to me, it's that idea that a good leader gets the lay of the land. That before you can make a plan or you can call people to something, you have to know reality, the reality on the ground. And that's what he's doing. Um, I didn't mention it yesterday, but um, I love Winston Churchill and his leadership. And when he was leading in World War II, he actually formed, he had all these advisors, like people would come in and talk to him about how logistics are going and how's it going in Belgium and how's it going in Italy. And then he had a committee called the Truth Committee who was keeping their hands and all, kind of their eye on all of this. And so he would meet an advisor in a group over how things are going in Italy. And then the Truth Committee would come in and he'd say, tell me what's really going on down there. Mm. And they frequently would have bad news for him. And it's because he knew that people tended to advise him they would come in with only the positive things and he couldn't make decisions because he needed to know reality. Hmm. And that's what I, a lot of things on leadership say. Leaders generally know reality better than anybody, but they need to know it. And so that's what I think he's doing is he knows he's got to know. He really has to know the reality for himself. He could have asked them, hey, how's the wall? And they, they would have said stuff, but they've lived with it for so long. Yeah. And so, yeah, at night, because if he stirs up the enemy, yeah. Early, if if they knew what he was doing before he even gives a talk to the people, they would have already been undermining it before he even gave a speech. Yeah. Yeah. So he's just, that's what I think that's what's going on with that. Man, he shows so much patience here. I can think of times when I've been really excited to do something and I kind of rush it. Um, but he is so slow and so patient, so methodical. But honestly, when you think about it, he was praying what for like four months for this opportunity Uh and waiting who much, how, who knows how much longer, um, between like the King giving his okay and then getting to go. So like time to him, he's waited, he's been patient. It's not hard for him maybe to wait just a little bit longer. And that just speaks to another reason why we should be so patient in the prep work too. Yes. Right. Because if it all happens so fast, maybe we'll try and do it too fast too. Yes. So it's our, it's human nature, right? We want to rush things. Yeah. So that really speaks to me. Let's see. Verses 7 to 18, Nehemiah kind of rallies the people. He finally shows his hand. He gives his speech. There's so many cool things here. Wish we had more time to talk about it. But I think what I pulled out of those two verses and the four points you brought us was just that he is skilled with speaking and he knows what to say and how to say it. And he's just really wise with people. Yeah. And we're going to see that even more later. But Man, he just, uh, he's really thought every bit of this through. Yes, I Even agree. down to what's my first interaction with the workers going to be and how am I going to frame it and what's the language I'm going to use. Yeah. So just respect for Nehemiah big time. Yeah. And then uh, in verse 18, we really like how he ends this year. So he gives that. And then what do they say? Well, let's start rebuilding. You know, <laughs> okay, cool. <laughs> We're here for you. <laughs> so they're about it. And then Nehemiah writes, okay, then the good work began. And he calls it a good work. The good work. Which is pretty cool. Yeah. I want to do something with that. Yeah. I think that- What do you want to- Like the way we talk about what we do at 12th mm, should be the, good, the work. good work. Or Or the way that you send us out to- uh, You are sent to do the good to work. To be restores every week. You're like, yeah, like you're doing the good work. It's not just- that's it's not cool. just another task. It's like, this is the good work yeah. God's put before us. I just think that's really cool. And again, it shows you he's living for something larger than himself. He's not living for his own 
kudos, his prestige. He's living for this mission and for the good of the city. And so it's a good work. And that's, that's what's driving him. It's pretty neat. Yeah. Uh, you talked about these guys who come against him. Once again, we could talk more about who they are. I loved the background on them. Sanballat, the, the fact that we can know a little bit about him and Tobiah as well kind of gives you an idea of what kind of people they are. And when they're coming against him, maybe some possible motivations or perspectives. Yep. So really love that you did that for us. But I think the important part is that in verse 19, you say they came to cast doubt and fear. Yeah. And really that's what, when we're doing the good work, yes, that's what people are going to come yep. and try and do. That's what the is, opposition does. Yeah. Is going to come and cast doubt and fear in you. Yeah. And so it was no different right here. That's what they were kind of after. And then the really good part, this is the part where I'm like, man, I wish, oh, this is, I wish that wish. I was working with Nehemiah was his response to this. Right. Um, because they're coming in, they're coming into his space and they're trying to cast out in fear. And what does Nehemiah say? He says, the work is God's. And you said, he so easily could have just flashed that letter from the kid. Yeah. Man, in my, in my sin nature, I'd have done it so quick. Yeah, because you want that. Oh, I'd have yeah. done it so quick. These guys right. who think they have one on me start, t- start talking smack. I would have whipped out those letters so quick and been like, read it and weep, boys. Yeah. And that's not what he did. No. He says, the work is God's. Yeah. He, he deflects anything away from him and says, this yep. is for it's all something. He, he has that larger bigger. story and it's not about even Artaxerxes. It's God's story. And yeah. Yeah. Man, respect for Nehemiah and, I know. and conviction at the same time. Um, and then he identifies who they are, right? Like we are we're God's the, servants. We're the servants of God. Yep. Right. And so we're here because this is his thing. So we're just doing what he says. And I even love, he says, we're the servants of God and we're rebuilding it. It's like, just get over it. We're doing it. Oh, like, I missed that part. Yeah, he says, we're so the he says, of God who and they... we're rebuilding it. <laughs> Once again, I love yeah. this guy. Yeah. Man, zero fear. And the, and I think he shows zero fear because his confidence is not in who he is and what his mission is, but right. it's in something way yes. bigger. Yes. And God has already brought him so far at this point yeah. and been so faithful to him this point. Yeah. He's like, there's no way God's going to stop now. So yeah. I can be so confident in yeah. him. That's really neat. And then uh, at the end, he, and who you are not. Yeah. Who you are not. You have no place here. So this is who it belongs to. Belongs to God. This is who we are. We're working for God. And this is who you are. You are not a part of this. <laughs> yeah. You're, so you can sit and watch if you want to, but we don't need anything from you. Yeah, you guys are, it's kind of like Ghostbusters. You guys are toast. Oh, I don't remember that. Part. You don't remember. I've okay. only seen it like one yeah. time. We're only one person that's going to hear this. is going to even know what I'm talking about. So never mind. But he's like, yeah, you guys are nothing. And so, you know. Have, have fun opposing this, as you Man. said, on the sideline, and yeah. we do God's good work. Man. Yeah, he's really... Nehemiah, truly one of the unspoken, like, heroes of, like, Jewish culture and history, but then just the Christian faith, too. Yeah. Wow. Do, do the Jewish people have a lot of reverence for Nehemiah, for what he did, or not no, so much? No, I think they're still like us, that it's, it's Moses and Elijah and Abraham and yeah. David that get all the... Get all the glory. All the kudos. Hey, can I say one thing about when he talks to them? Yeah. That I left on the table yesterday. Because he says, you have no share in this place. You have no claim on this place. You have no right to it. And that that word share, I didn't, I didn't share, but that word share means inheritance. And when I had quoted that scripture in Isaiah 61 about the shame, the disgrace, mm-hmm. right? When he says, we're going to end the disgrace as a motivation. In that scripture... It says, instead of disgrace, you're going to get a double portion and you're going to get an inheritance. So that's actually an inheritance language that you've inherited this land 
and I didn't, I didn't feel like it was that important to talk about, but even the way when he says, you have no inheritance in this, he's like saying, God has, yeah, as a, as a father gifts something to a son, this was gifted to us. Mm. Sorry, you were left out. You're not mm. a part of it. So you, you haven't inherited it. You don't claim and you don't have historic rights. So wow. I didn't, it wasn't worth diving into, but it still was kind of, I thought it was a little cool thing that that was an inheritance word. Huh. So, which was significant to them. Yeah, which was Because they really, inherited the land. Yeah. And it wasn't even theirs. It was actually God's. So you inherited. It's a stewardship. Yeah, because you say, and that's where it comes into cool to know that like Sunballet is, is he the one that's not Jewish, but he married a Jewish woman? Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. So it's like, dude, you're not even a part of this. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry to say, but yeah. you have no reason to yeah. be and, here. <laughs> and right, Geshem, who's an Arab, right. And then the other, even the Ammonite, he's from Ishmael, is who he descends from. No, they just, they, they descend from Lot, but again, they're not from Abraham. So it's like, it's Abraham's seed uh-huh. that inherited this. And two of you are kind of related, but sorry. Sorry, your names are not on the list. Yeah, you didn't make it. So. How cool. Could you see them just slinking off with their tails between their legs? Well, I mean. I don't know. I don't, it's hard to imagine because I don't know as much about the context, I think, as maybe you do. But I'm, just, I'm not sure how that ended. I mean, Nehemiah brings it pretty to a pretty abrupt end at the end of this chapter. But you just wonder. Yeah. Did they walk away? Did they just stand there, mouths mouth yeah. open? Like, wow, that did not go yeah. how we thought it would. Or they had to go off and do more planning, and we'll see that. They yeah, they get more involved. They so. certainly come back later yeah, they with do. more firepower. Yep. So you kind of ended it with that reminder there that we are to be restorers that are wise and strategic, just like Nehemiah. But then you kind of left us with these six ways that uh that Nehemiah did it, and then we're to kind of emulate that as well. So we wanted to kind of just go through the six quickly. We don't have a ton of time. But then there's a couple that we agreed were just really key. And I think especially for our people here at 12th in this moment and just culturally where we live in Emporia and in America, things that we need to know if we're going to be restores yeah. in this cultural moment. So the first one is just to be patient, right? Um, you mentioned it's a marathon. It's not a sprint. Mm-hmm. And so often, I mean, we've already admitted, and I think most people would say this, we can just so quickly jump into things. Yep. And not think. And I think when people think of like evangelism, to them the end game is conversion, and I want a conversion out of everything quick as I can. Yeah, and I may be one link in a hundred link chain, and I may be the first link, and I'm not even going to be the one. So that marathon view is really important because then the people don't feel the pressure from you, like they're trying to push me into something. I remember when somebody told me that a number of years ago that everyone has a certain number of links in their chain to know Jesus. You may be link number one or number five, or you may be the last link. Yeah, Who knows? you might be the last one. But it's not your job to take them all the way yep. all the time. Right. And you got to be okay with that. Yep. Because if you're not, what happens? That you push people and then you lose number two. You, you lose, lose trust. Yeah. You, you lose like, trust. Did you like that transition, Gary? That was really good. That was good. We didn't even plan that. No, we didn't. But that was good. So number two is you got to have trust with people, but you lose that trust when you rush it. Yes. When you rush it, because when you're they pushy begin, with your faith. They yeah. feel like a project. Uh-huh. Oh, Garen is oh. taking me to coffee because yeah. he wants me to be saved. Yeah. Oh, he's got an agenda. Or... Right. He doesn't care about me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where the patience comes in Yeah. because it allows people to really feel. And I don't want to say feel like we're duping them. We really do care, but it displays that care Yeah. Right? In, a, in a really genuine way. Yeah. We're patient because we do care about people. Right. Even if... I was loving on someone and seeking to be restored in their life and they never came to know Jesus. It's, we talked about this in the very first one. It's still worthwhile yes. to be in their life, even yes. if they never come to right. know him. Yep. And okay. I may not be at last link. And at this time in their life, when I hear their story, they might be like, I have zero interest in God and I don't ever want you to talk to me about it. And I respect them and I don't, but I continue to meet their needs that they do have and to show love for them mm-hmm. because it's, they're not an agenda or project. They're a human being creating the image of God. 
and God wants me to be a blessing, a shalom bringer in their yeah. life. So, yeah. Yeah. You, during this point yesterday, you talked about that book, I Once Was Lost and how this is a first step. And I just wanted, that that slide was appropriately sized, by the way. I oh, yes, that was, oh, you could? Because yeah. that the font on that was so small. Well, the word trust. I, I, it was better than the others. I could squint and read it. But some of the big stuff was important, like the big four steps. Yeah, it was right. good. But I so badly wanted to stand up in service and be like, this is a great read. <laughs> I like, know. Oh, man, I love that book. Yeah. The first chapter of that book freed me up so much. I remember I felt 10 pounds lighter after reading that first chapter because it's all about, the weight is not on you. It's this whole thing of you can be patient and this whole link language of you're a part of this, but you're not the whole thing. And yeah. I wore that so heavy before reading that. Yeah. So great book if you just want to learn yes. more about what it's like to love people and have conversations about the gospel and have eyes for that, but not feel the pressure to close the deal. Yeah. All the time. And those other thresholds are really good. But yeah, that book immediately came to mind, like trust. That's the first one. And if you can't get past that, have fun trying to get past any of the other ones because people won't let you into their life deeply. Yeah, yeah, true. The third one is that we've got to get the lay of the land. And you said this early in service and I wrote down a note, but then you said it again. So I was going to wait. But when you say we've got to get a lay of the land in our context, I think we know what it means for Nehemiah. But for me, where I'm trying to seek to be a restorer in my life, what does it look like for me to get the lay of the land? Yeah, it's I, I mentioned like I've got to learn the contour of a person's life and heart. And that's where I'm sitting down and I'm like, just I want to hear your story. And they aren't going to tell you their whole life story, but if you just, if they'll kind of lay it out, you're just going to hear the ups and downs, the things they struggle with. You'll know what formed and shaped them. And that helps so much, one, in knowing how to love them, but it also helps in knowing that as you do, if they do end up wanting to learn more about Jesus, you know what the hiccups are going to be. You know what their questions are. You know the obstacles. You know the things in their background that you may have to address. So it just gives you, it's just trying to get the contour of a person's heart and life. Like, what's their life like? What have they been through? What are the difficulties? What's formed their thinking? Yeah. You know, did they go to church? Did they not go to church? Um, just anything. Just was faith anything or in their life? Just all of that is so helpful in understanding. And I mentioned first service. I didn't second. I was trying to keep it shorter because I knew it was long. But that guy I had a conversation with a week ago today who I thought I knew pretty well, but had never told me his sister died when he was 13. And then he sat there for about 30 minutes and told me how it changed his view of God. That was so helpful in me understanding him. Hmm. And it's part of learning the contour of his life and his soul. Oh, that's where that came from. Yeah. That view of God came from the death of a sister. Hmm. That, so that makes sense to me. So, you know, in the future, if we talk, that's, I just know I need to, that that's something I need to keep in mind. So for some of us, I think it's really easy to lean into people's stories and just listen and feel comfortable saying, tell me your story and feeling that intimacy. I think for others, it's, it's really, that's the hard part. Yeah. So what do, what do you think, Jordan? Cause I'm, it is easy for me. I listen, I'm a listener. I like mm-hmm. to listen to people. I'm very curious. I want to know people's stories. I am sure there's, there were people there who are like, I, that sounds like the scariest thing in the world. Right. I don't know. What do you, what would you say? Um, I would say that it's the easiest thing in the world. But it takes a little bit of bravery at the beginning because like you said, how, how often do people want to share their story but have no place to do it? Yeah. And how, um, how well would you be received if you just gave people an avenue to do that? And you were simply listening here. I think the fear comes from not knowing what to say in a, in a certain instance or how to react. Like if someone said, I lost my sister, like, oh, what's my reaction to that? 
simply there is no reaction. It's listening. Yeah, it's, it's just listening. And so it's just, I, I'm sorry to hear that. Yeah, sure. And that's it. But they're not looking for you to have any wise words or speak scripture nope. into it. You're just there to get to know them more. And I think early on, I put a lot of pressure on myself to do more than that. And it's just realizing that it is just getting to know somebody yeah. and listening. Yeah. Um, so take the pressure off yourself. Yes. And just be okay with being in the room and hearing somebody and feel no obligation to respond or speak into anything because truthfully and candidly, they don't need that. And they're not probably looking for that. They just want to share it. Yes. And then like you said, once they share and there's dialogue and you're interested, the natural flip there is, okay, well now tell yeah. me about you. And, I'd love to hear your story. And that's kind of your, your door if that happens. Yeah. So yeah, it's a scary thought, but- I think we make it scarier than yeah. it needs to be. Thanks for being, yeah, because those conversations for me are not conversations. I am listening exactly. a lot. Yeah. Yeah. I don't feel like I have to say anything hardly. Right. Almost all I do is just ask little clarifying things. So mm-hmm. when he told me that, I just said, wow, how'd that impact you? Mm-hmm. That's all it was. And then he went a little more into it. Yeah. So yeah, it's just like, whoa, that's a that's a significant contour of his life. Yeah. So you just ask a little question to probe further. Yeah. What, 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 how'd that affect you? And people will tell you how yeah. it affects them. That's exactly right. They're not conversations. They're not conversations. You're it listening. is a listening. So I'm it's really almost, glad we talked about this. Yeah. Um, and truthfully, that's what's hard for me is because I like to talk, I like to talk too much. And so I have to just tell myself, Jordan, you're here to listen. Yeah. And so then I can do it well. But sometimes I feel the need to interject. I'm like, no, this yep. is not the time for yep. that. That's not the time to, just to do your four spiritual laws. It's not, if they say something like they're an atheist, you don't bring out your right. apologetic against it. Yeah. You just want to hear their story. And yep. like, you know, oh, I don't believe in God. And you're like, you know, let's say they don't bring up faith. And I say, is faith part of your story? And they go, I don't believe in God. I, I, I'll just say like, you know, well, that I'm just curious. Is there a particular reason? Right. People will usually give you a they reason. Will. Yeah. But Karen, there's like been this, this programming that's done, I feel like in most of our spiritual upbringings, we're like, we feel very on the hook to respond to things yes, in the moment. Yes. Oh, I'm actually an atheist. Oh, it's up to me to yeah. tell him that there's a God. He, he knows probably what you think about that. Yeah. He's, he's probably looked at the evidence to some degree. This is not the time and place to have time, it out. Right. Um, just this couple of weeks ago, conversation with somebody and they brought that up. I'm an atheist. And I felt that little hair on the back of my neck, like, oh, do I need to... No, this is not the time. Can I give you the cosmological argument? (laughs) This is not the time for any of that. (laughs) Jordan, just sit down and hear their story. And I did. And I think we're going to meet soon and talk more. And I'm going to hear more of their story once and again. You'll, and sometimes- Another place yep. where I'm going to ask a lot of questions. Yes. And sometimes it's more than once, but that first one is really crucial. Yeah. So, yeah. okay. I, I need to grow on that. Hopefully you guys recognize that that's an important thing and that it's not as scary as we, we make it out to be. And that actually was almost the, the single most important thing that I wanted to convey yesterday was this idea. So I'm glad we filled this out. Yeah. And, and you even give a challenge that we are to ask someone- um, to hear their story yeah. by the end of October. That's like six weeks. Yeah. One person, just one person. Man, you really threw down the gauntlet there. Yeah. That's good. So does this, is this um, just people hearing in the room? Is this like multi-state? Like, does it extend to others listening in other states or countries? Like how far does this edict? Yeah, I is mean- Is this like the Artaxerxes, the, the law yeah, of this is the law. Yeah, I mean, I'm- th- This it, can't be undone now? If there were anybody in California that ever listens to it, like I'm definitely throwing out at them, and it's not the end of <laughs> October. I'm like by the end of September. Well, California is so godless. Probably two yeah, people. By yeah, that's right. That's, okay, here two stories. Yeah, do double the work. Yeah, double the work. That's good. And yeah, but I don't know if we have any listeners in California. No, but, probably not. 
Okay. Uh, number four, that we've got to be prepared like Nehemiah was. I think we've talked a lot about this. Uh-huh. Was there anything else you wanted to say about it besides no. just being ready when? Yeah, I just, you know, I shared the story the of somebody yesterday, even you, what you were just talking, your conversation. The time to, to figure out about atheism is like you hear that and you're like, I don't know what I would even, if mm. in a year yeah. it gets to the point he wants to hear me, that's when you, so you've had the conversation, you're like, I better kind of start boning up on that right yeah, now. I need to know what I think about that uh-huh. before I get into before the conversation. Before I get in that conversation. So the pressure, again, I'm not doing it then, but it's like, now I know the lay of the land of this person. I know their heart and I know what are probably going to be some objections. If it comes up, it may not, and that may be somebody else's link, but if it were to come up with me in a year, I've kind of got an idea of what I want to do with that. Hmm. And yep, so I start, I'm prepared. I Just work be on ready. being prepared. And this kind of leads into number five as well, that we've got to be ready to step into that Kairos moment, right? Yes. Talking about the Kairos moment being an opportunity that you see where God might be opening a door and we can either step in or let it pass by. And so when we see that that door open just a crack because our water's turned off and our neighbor's coming to us or somebody starts a conversation and mentions something about their story, these are Kairos moments. We've got to be ready to step in yeah. and uh, be prepared to have, what, what does Peter say? To be ready at any yeah, point. Always be ready to right? give an answer. To give an answer or to even just hear somebody's story yeah. and start the process of what it might look like to share Jesus with them one yep. day. And I didn't say yesterday, but I always tell people, go as far as they'll open the door. So somebody cracks it and I start to walk through. Once I start feeling the resistance, that's when I stop because I'm, I don't want to disrespect the relationship. Right. And so it's not like, oh, now I've got, he cracked the door and I'm going in full steam. Right. The full gospel. And we're I'm going just, Christian SWAT team yeah, kicking down going, the door. Yeah. You don't do that. You no, just no, no. go as far as they'll let you. Yeah. That's part of the trust. So. Very good. And the number six, last one, to be wise with our words. And this was such a cool observation on your part. The way that Nehemiah talks to the king. Yeah. Right. And is it the first part of two? Yeah, it's the first part of two. The first part of two, yeah. That he, when he's he's asking the king for permission to go because the king has cracked the door and asked him what was wrong with him, right? He's already he's prepared. He's already thought about yes, what he's, he's going to say. He no, yeah, he's thought about His it. His words are so calculated yeah. that when he refers to Jerusalem, he doesn't say the name because it would be a trigger in some yeah, way he had had the, for the king. That, he thought rebellion before. That's why he had shut it down, the construction. Yeah. He does not have a good opinion of that place. Right, so it is not Jerusalem, it's that city. Yeah. Over there, right? He's yeah. so he's so intentional about saying that. Talking about his ancestors, where my he, ancestors, he were knew buried. that was such a high value for the king. He would relate to that. Yeah, um, just really saying everything that would benefit him and leaving out anything that wouldn't. Yeah, is that kind of a, is that kind of sneaky though? Like, is that to be? It's it's wise. I mean, Jesus, be wise as a serpent, as shrewd as a dove. Uh-huh. Dove. Yeah, it's just that that's part of the lay of the land. Like I know. Don't talk about that with that person because that's mm-hmm. that's I've figured and when I heard their story, that's not a it's not a good place to go. And so you you just you're learning if I say that, that won't help, but yeah. this might. So it's just it's just being wise with people. And yeah. it's part of being loving. I mean, if I love somebody, I'm I'm gonna say things to them in a way that's appropriate for them. So yeah. Yeah. Um, we are at 30 minutes. I really wanted to get it under 30, but I want to ask you this really quick question, Garen, and then we'll wrap it. So we talked a little bit before this just about the old wall of Nehemiah and the old city. And we talked about the dimensions of the wall a little bit and things, but you've been, and you've even seen a little bit of Nehemiah's original wall. So like in a minute or so, just tell us a little bit about like what you saw or when we're trying to envision this in our minds, just help us like see it a little bit. I think the main thing I would say is 
the city of David and the city at Nehemiah's time was a lot smaller than I think we imagine. It was very narrow and thin and long with the temple mount kind of at the top of it. And as we were talking, it really, there was a lot that happened there, a lot of invasions because it was a center of God's activity, but it wasn't at the center of any trade routes or anything. So it actually was a pretty minor city in some ways, but it was major because it was the center of what God was doing in history. Um, Yeah. And then the other thing is I think he's building the walls where they were exactly where they were before using the same stone. But as Jerusalem grew by the time of Jesus' time, they had extended that. They had built walls, and it kept getting larger, and they'd build a new section of walls. So Jerusalem had kind of multi-levels of walls inside of it. Even today, if you go in it, you'll walk through a wall to get in the old city, and you walk through another wall to get into that. And that's, I don't know if that gives people a picture of it. But. So when we're talking about the the city of David, which is like the section of wall that Nehemiah was rebuilding, like... You said it's kind of skinny. So like how far across is it possible to know? Yeah, it's even, it was just a lot narrower than I imagined when I was there. Um, I don't even know that I can give dimensions. It was just super, it was just long and it wasn't like super long. Like to get from the temple down to where the spring of Siloam is, which is at the tip of it. It was just, it wasn't, it was very compact. Mm. It was a lot smaller than I thought. Okay. And so as we're kind of, imagining this in our minds, the beginning of the rebuilding of the wall. It's not something Emporia-sized. No, not at all. It's not this humongous, I mean, it's an undertaking. Yes, the wall, yeah, because it's a mile round, but the city wasn't as big as you would imagine. Yeah. Yeah. And do we know how many people were kind of with him? We could look, it would have been a really, it would have been, uh, I don't remember exactly. It would have been like, just a lot smaller than we think when we think of cities. I don't even want to guess because I'm probably going to say wrong. Yeah. It was just a lot smaller population when people would think. Okay. I think we bring uh, a certain weight to the word city. Yes. And so yes. we've got to rethink that yeah. a little bit. We're thinking this. a very major city with major walls. Even the, the wall, three, three feet thick, three, four feet thick at the top. That's there. You go to Babylon, it was so thick at the top, two, carried, two chariots could race side by side across mm-hmm. it. That was a massive city that had massive walls. So yeah. this is not the same, but it still was a huge project. Yeah. Okay. All right, cool. Guys, hope this was useful. Um, hope that you're already thinking about someone to ask that question of, hey, tell me a little bit about your story. And um, don't feel the pressure to win them to Christ in the first conversation. Love them, be a restorer. Look for the opportunities. If God lays it out there, and man, there's a great chance to just share the gospel right away, do it, but don't feel the pressure to uh, complete the whole chain on day number one, right? Just be a yep. link, Just be, and be, link. F- be faithful and, and be patient in that. So, okay, Nehemiah 2, next week on to three, which we're excited for. It's gonna be cool. Garen's got something cool planned, I think. So uh, we'll see you there. Bye guys.